Please take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 2 Timothy and chapter number 1. You need to practice now on that saying that hallelujah. You make it to the other side, uh, you're going to be saying that a whole lot. So I want to encourage you, get ready for that heavenly choir. Hallelujah, what a Savior. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 1. Actually, chapter number 2. Verse number 7. I like chapter number 1 and verse number 7 so much. Sometimes I want to read it all the time. But in chapter 2, verse number 7 is my text. The Bible says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. That word consider, it means to think carefully about something before uh, you make an important decision. And sometimes uh, that can be because you're observing people or observing a circumstance or situation. For example, over the book of Proverbs, the Bible says that, he said, I went by the field of the slothful. And in verse 32, he said, then I saw. And he said, and I considered it well. He said, I looked upon it and I received instruction. So when we use that word consider, it is actually engaging the mind, the heart, and the will before you make some serious decision. Sometimes it is by observation. Sometimes it is simply by verbal or written instruction. And so when you think about that, I want you to look in chapter 1, verse 7. Paul is writing to a young man, and, uh, and he says to him, he says, Consider. Consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Every time you come to church, this is what you should do. You should consider what is being said. And you should ask God to give you an understanding of those things. The Bible says we're to prove all things and we're to hold fast to that which is good. I am not, to, uh, I'm not supposed to believe everything that I hear. The Bible says the simple believe every word. But nor am I to doubt everything that I hear and question everyone who is trying to help me. So what am I going to do with that? So I'm going to consider, number one, who is talking to me? Amen? Who is it that's actually saying something? And then, what are they actually saying that they want me to consider. All right, so let's look at our text here. We know when he says to him in verse number 7, he said, consider what I say. He didn't say consider what everybody else says. He says consider what I say. Who is the I here? When you study your Bible and you read through it, one of the very basic principles of reading your Bible is, who is? Who is doing the speaking? Who is? talking here in this verse. Because your Bible contains lies. Does that offend you? Oh, no, no, no. Because it is a book of truth. It records the lies of others. God does not lie. But He will record the lies of other people. It starts off in the book of Genesis because somebody comes along and whispers lies in the ears of Eve. And the devil is a liar from the beginning. He can't even tell the truth. He can tell half-truths. But I'm saying that look and see who's doing the talking. Because who matters? I'm not going to, if I hear Nancy Pelosi saying something, I'm probably not going to believe half of what she says. Not without considering what she has said. It is unfortunate that even when my president says something, that I have to consider what he is saying. Because of who is saying it. And the character of the individual who is speaking to me. But here, I don't have to worry about this guy. This name, this man is the Apostle Paul. You'll notice in 2 Timothy chapter 1, look in verse number 1. Look what he says right here. 
He says, Paul. So we know who's talking. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. That's in chapter 1, verse number 1 of 2 Timothy. So who is being spoken to? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. The name of the book is Timothy. And so we know that he's writing to a young man. He calls him O Timothy. And if you'll do a little bit of background search on Timothy, you'll find over in Acts chapter number 16 that he is called a disciple of Christ and that he is a follower of Christ. But he also was born into a family that was not a perfect situation. Sometimes we think that disciples of Christ came from, all of them came from strong Christian backgrounds and strong homes, but that is simply not the case. This young man was born into a family where the father was a Greek and the mother was a Jew. And their religions were not mixing together. And so there, were no, there was no, you might say, unity or harmony about the religious atmosphere of that home. And it's possible, yes, that a young man or a young lady can become a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ even though his, maybe his or her mother or father may not be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has that ability to change and turn somebody's life around. However, he did have a grandmother who had faith. And he had a mother who possessed great faith. And this impacted his heart and his life. Somehow or another, they seemed to have more influence on him than even his own father. There was something in that young man, the Bible says, was faith that dwelt in him. But it wasn't just faith, it was unfeigned faith. It was a pure, sincere faith that was in his heart. And I'm going to tell you what, that affects a young man's spirit. You, you hang around a young lady or a young man. And listen, God put this message on my heart for our young adults and our teenagers this morning. I hope you'll receive it. God has a word for you through his scriptures today. I hope you'll receive what I have to say today. Amen. But this young man did not come from a perfect family. But he did grab a hold of the faith that was in his family. And it became embedded in him in spite of the things that were going on in that household. Can I say also that when you have faith in your heart, you can overcome a lot of things. He overcame some infirmities that he had physically. Uh, he had some physical issues. And uh, the Lord helped him through those things and his inadequacies. He seemed to be timid and somewhat fearful at times. And yet the Lord was able to help him because faith can overcome so many things. If you'll focus on the Lord instead of yourself and your weaknesses, your faith can grow. You can become a disciple. But you need to be sincere like he is. You need to be dependable like he was. You need to be teachable as he is. You need to be changeable. And you, then someday you'll become usable for the glory of God. What is it that Paul is wanting him to consider? What is it? I thought about my own grandsons as I was studying this week. I was thinking about Ethan and Bronson. I was thinking about Brother Zach. I was thinking about our young ladies. I pray that God would speak to your heart, you young adults. I thought about Brother Cade, Sister Lacey, Brother Travis, Sister Stephanie. What is it that he asked them to consider? Now, now listen carefully to this. I pray God will speak to your heart through this. I want you to notice, first of all, in verse number 9, that he wanted Timothy, chapter 1, verse 9. He wanted Timothy, number 1, to consider some things, to think about this, to seriously consider this. Number 1, he said, I want you to consider what is in you. That's in verse 9. Uh, excuse me, verse 5, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I want you to consider what is in you. You'll notice the phrase, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. And then look at verse number 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. And then would you please look at verse number 14. That good thing which was committed unto thee. Keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth 
in us. He said, I want you to consider what is in you. And then, number two, I want you to look in verse number nine. I want you to consider what is in you because of what has been done to you. Verse 9 says, who hath saved us. And then he said this, I want you to consider what has been done to you is why there is something in you that wants to do something through you. Look in verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given in us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He said, consider what I say to you and understand this. God's done three great things for you. And He said, I want you to consider this and determine this and look at this in your heart. First of all, I mentioned to you, here in verse number 9, you notice he says, who has saved us. This is our, what I call the greatness of our common salvation. Verse 9. Sometimes young folks get the idea that when they see someone, maybe who's a missionary or a pastor or an evangelist, and God has used them and impacted uh, their lives and influenced their lives, that they, they think almost as if they got something different, that those men got something different than what they got. But the scripture says, Paul made it very clear to him. He says in verse 9, who has saved us. Who has saved us. Look over in 1 Timothy chapter number 1 with me, please. And look in verse number 12. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12. Now, we have this morning, if you're a born again child of God, we have a common salvation. A common salvation. I did not get more than you, and you did not get more than me. It is a common salvation. All right? And Paul made it very clear to Timothy because, man, can you imagine if the Apostle Paul was your mentor? All the things that he experienced, what a great man he was, who gave us the New Testament. But he wanted that young man to understand some things and consider this. Look in chapter 1, verse number 12. He says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for he accounted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Who was before, everybody has a past, a blasphemer, a persecutor, and you might could write different words in there, and injuries. He said, But I obtained mercy. And look at verse 14. But he also obtained grace, verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. Isn't that interesting? Look in verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save what? Sinners. He said, of whom I am chief. He was letting Timothy know that our salvation is a common salvation. Titus Chapter 1, verse 4 says that we have common faith. Talking about in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because salvation has the same door. The same door. Jesus Christ is the door. You don't go through that door, you don't get saved. And you have the same dividends. This is what I really wish that uh, the Holy Ghost would help you to understand and and appreciate the fact of what God has done you, for you. Because I think sometimes that you neglect the great salvation that God has granted unto you. And I think that if you would arise each morning, bow your knee before God, open up your Bible, and just begin to read some of the facts, not the feelings, but the facts, the dividends that God has granted unto you, you would say, Lord, thank you for a wonderful, wonderful salvation. When we talk about being saved, we're actually talking about being delivered. Delivered from the wrath of God. Delivered from the wages of our sins. That's why Paul, though he was sincere and did what he did ignorantly, he understood that he was under the same condemnation as every man. 
And this thing about salvation, it is not just for a few, but it is available to all men. And he wanted Timothy to know that. How can you do the work of an evangelist if you don't believe that God made salvation available to all men? He said later to Timothy, he said, who would have all men, A-double-L, all men, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He said, because there is one God and one mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. I want you to look over and keep your hand in in, uh, 1 Timothy and look quickly over a little bit to your left and look in the book of Colossians. And I'm going to keep reading this to you until Jesus comes, until you start reading it. He said, Brother Roger, I'm tired of you reading those verses every time we come to church. Then you come to me before service and say, Brother Roger, I read that. I read that this week. So you don't have to read it today. Colossians chapter 1. This is wonderful. Look in verse 12. I want to say to our young adults and to our teenagers who are considering their paths of life, I want you to understand and consider how great your salvation is. Never get over it. Study your dividends and your benefits. Like you just got hired on at a new company, and man, you're so grateful for those pages and pages of dividends and benefits that they have given unto you. So that you now rest and not worry about your 50s and your 60s and your 70s because you have confidence in what some man wrote on a piece of paper about your monetary dividends and benefits. How about your spiritual benefits and your spiritual dividends that God has given unto you that will impact your mind and your spirit from day to day? Look what he says in chapter 1 verse 12. He says, giving what? Thanks. Give it, give it to God. Give thanks unto God. The Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That means He's made us acceptable unto God. And that we have been accepted in the Beloved. And that we have been adopted into the family of God. And He has written some things down for us that this belongs to you now. Because you belong to me, this belongs to you. Now you are heir and a joint heir with my Son, Jesus Christ. Now notice He said this. This is wonderful. He said in verse 13, who hath delivered us. Remember that word saved also means delivered. He has saved you. He's delivered you from the power of darkness around us as an ungodly, filthy, vile, invisible atmosphere filled with devils and demons. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The enemies of our warfare are not carnal. But, are my, but listen, listen, they are carnal, but, but ours is not. Our weapons are not carnal. That's right. And the enemy, he is invisible, but he's not imaginary. And buddy, he'll come after you, but God says he has no right, he has no hold, he has no authority, he has no power over you except that which you give him. Right. He said, delivered us from the power of darkness, and I love this, and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So I now live in a new world. I have to live in this world, but I'm not of this world. And he says in verse 14, in whom we have redemption, thank God, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. And later on in this chapter, he talks about us being reconciled to God through the death of his son. Ephesians 2 talks about how that God made peace with us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, what blessings we have with God. Let me ask you to do this. Study your dividends and your benefits. Listen to other people give their testimonies of how God has saved them. Man, when Paul would stand before just a few men or a lot of men, or whether he was standing before a a jailer, or whether he was standing before a king or a, a principality, he gave his personal testimony of how God richly and powerfully delivered him, and saved him. Listen to other people give their testimonies. And tell other people about your testimony. Do you have one? If you're saved, you got one. They may not be as dramatic as some people's are. Doesn't have to. I mean, I don't have one like the Apostle Paul. 
I wasn't smitten on the road to uh, Damascus. But I will say this. I might be just one of those over there that says, and they believed. Or they turned toward God and put their faith in Jesus Christ. I may not have one of those that they write books about or make movies about. That's okay. I went through the same door. I got the same benefits. I got the same dividends. I may not get the same advertising, but I've got the same benefits. Attend services like the Lord's Supper. If you hear about the Lord's Supper taking place, you ought to be there if you're a believer. You should participate in the Lord's Supper because it is designed to remind you of how great your salvation is and what a great cost and price it was. It is there to remind you that in His body He bore your sins and with His blood He redeemed you from your iniquities. Great price was paid and you should participate in that with a clean conscience and a clean heart. Amen. What a Savior. We sang about Him this morning. And by the way, listen to some songs about Him. Really, you ought to focus on listening to some songs more about Him than about heaven. There's a whole lot more in the Bible about Him than there is about heaven. And you wouldn't be going to heaven if it wasn't for Him. There's a lot of songs that really are just, some of them are not even scriptural. They just make you feel good. Seriously. And the Holy Ghost really doesn't bless them in a worship service, but they make us feel good. But when you start singing about Christ, and you start singing about what He did for us, you start thinking about His redemption and what He's done for us, the Spirit of God will bear witness to that. So whatever you're listening to in your car, I pray that it bears witness to the cross of Christ and what He has done for you and your redemption. That The guy that wrote the song, How Great Thou Art, I'm going to shake his hand when I get to heaven. I think it was a guy. I hope it was a guy. You say, why is that? Well, I'd just like for a guy to do something good once in a while. But I love that stanza when he says, and when I think, that God, His Son, not sparing, sent Him to die. See, I consider this. He said, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden, gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. Sometimes when I'm by myself, I just let her rip. Lift up my hands toward heaven. Then sings my soul. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. Then I don't have to worry about being on key when I'm by myself. I just let her rip. You ought to do that when you're in your car. Raise your hand up toward heaven. Let folks know that they, they think you're waving at them. That's all right. Man, just praise God for the wonderful salvation that God has wrought in you. I want you to go back to 2 Timothy with me real quick. And here's the second thing I want to mention this morning. I know that it's not baptistically correct to have a two-point message. But that's what we have today. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 1. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? Second Timothy chapter 1. That's all right. Look with me in verse number 9. Our common salvation. Paul said, I want you to consider the greatness of our common salvation. That's why he said, son, in verse 9, I want you to consider who has saved us. Who saved you? Hmm? Who saved you? I know who saved me. Who has saved us? And but notice he says, I want you to consider the greatness of our, of our calling. He says, and called, what's that next word? Us. See, you think that only a few have been called, but everybody Amen. has a calling. He says, and called us. He saved us. He called us. You and me. And then, he said, with a holy calling. 
not according to our works, but according to His own purpose. When God saved you, He called you, not for your own self-will plans, but with a divine purpose. Every young person needs a purpose in life. I mean, there's a lot of kids out there that are doing a bunch of weird stuff. They've given themselves to Greenpeace and a bunch of saving a bunch of whales and saving a bunch of trees because they're looking for a purpose in life. Well, God will give you a divine purpose. I mean, one that really matters. One that really matters. It won't be a, a, just a pile of ashes when your life is over. Wow. What a blessing that is. It gives me great confidence. Keeps me away from suicidal thoughts because I have a purpose to be alive. Amen. Hebrews 5.1 calls it a heavenly calling. It's a holy calling. It's a heavenly calling. And in this, we're to consider Christ our example. We're to consider Him our forerunner. Every young person in here has a divine purpose in life. It's not to be on TikTok, showing yourself. It's not to be on YouTube, revealing yourself. That stuff's going to stick with you the rest of your life. You'll be a fool for just one day. Because of idiotic friends and peer pressure. And when you're older, sober, and got some kids, it'll still be out there. Be careful what you do in a moment's time and of weakness. You have a divine purpose. And he said, Timothy, listen to me, son. He said, now, get out of your vain Gentile mind and way of thinking. He said, listen, you're not in a movie where you have to be the star. This is not a sports activity where you have to be the hero Everybody has a calling and a place and a purpose, and one is not more important than the other. (laughs) Excuse me. Now, Timothy. Now, church, please listen carefully. There's a general calling to all of us. Like Romans 12, verse 1 through 3. We all ought to present our bodies before the Lord as a living sacrifice. We all are to seek His good and perfect will. We all are to serve Him with our whatever vocation that God has called us into. We are to honor Him in our lives. There is a personal and specific path for each one of us. And it's not multiple choice sometimes. Like, for example, look in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Here's what Paul said. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. He didn't choose that. It chose him. Look at verse 11. He said, Whereunto I am appointed. He didn't seek this. Appointed a preacher. I like to hear preachers who have been appointed. I like to hear preachers who also have been anointed. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. That was his will. That was God's will for Paul. But for each of us, there will be a different path to some degree. But I want to teach you something out of here that will help you day by day in some of your choices. Because over the years, we've had some good young people come up through this church who are no longer in church today. Or if they, they attend church occasionally. It's one thing to go to church. It's another thing to be engaged in church. It really is. You can attend. You can spectate without participating. You can do that. There's nothing new under the sun. And when he's writing to this young man, he said, I want you to consider some things. Brother Lauren, I appreciate you hanging in there, brother, and staying with the stuff. You encourage me. You inspire me. I appreciate you, your dear wife, and how God's blessed you. I appreciate Abigail Overton. Everything hadn't been real pleasant in her life, but she's chosen to stay by the stuff and do the will of God. She wants to go to the mission field, serve the Lord. I, I appreciate that. She's making good money right now. If you don't know how to handle money, talk to her. She, she's smarter than Dave Ramsey. I'm, that girl can handle I'm serious. Some of, you, some of you boys could learn some stuff from her. She knows how to make money and hold on to it. 
I appreciate some of you young folks that want to go on for God, but Stephanie, I appreciate you and Travis still being in church. Because I remember when Travis used to show up here in a little old Toyota Tacoma. I'm not sure his motive was to see me and hear me preach as much as it was to see you and to play basketball back in those days. But I thank God he is still in church and with you, and God's blessed your family. I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for that. Everybody has to make choices as you get into these years of 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. But some in their minds and hearts have already left by the time they're 15. They just have to go to church. You can sit on the front pew and take notes. I'm not picking on you, by the way. I thank you for being and doing what you're doing. But you can do that and walk away. If your heart's not in it, it won't last. But look, did you know in 2 Timothy alone, Paul lists 25 names. 25 names of individuals. In a little old bitty book, he says... 25 names, because what he was saying to them is, you're going to meet different kinds of people along the path. And he wasn't afraid to name names. Good, bad, and ugly. Because that's the kind of people you're going to bump into when you go to church. Say, oh, Brother Roger, there's pretty boy downtown says everybody's nice and pretty and good. Yeah? Well, I, I, I got some things I can sell you, too, if, you, if you're that dumb. I'm just here to tell you, that, listen, everybody has to go through this general path, and you're going to have to be very careful about who impacts you and who you impact. Now, let me show you something. Let me give you something very simple and practical here, okay? For example, look in chapter 1 and verse number 5. There'll be some in your path, and God has called each of us down a general calling of this path. It's a high calling. You have no excuse. You know, you, you say, well, yeah, well, I grew up in East River, and I don't like independent badness, and I don't like the Bible. Well, listen, just when you die and you stand before God, you tell Him. You blame us. See what He says. Look in verse number 5. He says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, and dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice. There will be some people in your path who will increase your faith. God's going to put some people in your church and around you who will encourage, strengthen, and increase your faith. All right, look in verse number 15. There will be some who will actually turn away from the path. The Bible says in verse 15, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. He mentions their names because they had turned their back on him while he was in the path. They turned their backs on him. There will be some people that you went to church with who are not interested anymore in having a relationship with you because you've got your eyes on the prize and they don't. Look in verse 16. God always balances this. The Lord give mercy, have, give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. There'll be some that God puts in your path who will love you and care for you when you are discouraged and when you need refreshing. God will have them along this path if you'll stay in it. That's a fact. Verse 16. The Lord have, give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus for he oft refreshed me. He oft refreshed me. Thank the Lord for men and women who oft encourage us and strengthen us. Man, it's awesome, brother Jake, to come to church here sometimes and just see you for a few minutes and embrace you and shake your hand. And it does something. It refreshes my spirit in my heart. What a blessing that is. And the Bible says here that, listen, he was in some serious situations and he needed... Now listen, this guy sought him out very diligently. That means maybe Paul wasn't where he was supposed to be. and said, hey, I'm going to look for him. What a blessing it is when somebody in your congregation actually just looks for you, reaches out for you, and say, hey, how you doing? I didn't see you the other day. I noticed you weren't at the fellowship the other day. Are you doing okay? I'm not trying to get in your business. just want to know, can I help you with something? 
Can I refresh you? Can I strengthen you? Do you need something? What a blessing. Notice with me in chapter number 2. That there'll be some, in verse number 16, chapter 2, verse number 16, notice this. And maybe, you're, maybe some faces are coming to your mind here along your path here. Chapter 2, verse number 16. I mean, I've been in this a long time. I can think back in my first church at East Amory Baptist Church. There were different men and women there that impacted my life for good and for not good. I think about Carolina Baptist Church. There were some in that church that were good and not good. Faith Baptist Church in Franklin, Louisiana, there were some there that were good and not good. And yeah, at East River. Some good and not good. But I made up my mind, I'm going to stay on my path. This is a heavenly calling. This is a holy calling. God has called you and me for a divine purpose and we have to stay in the way. Look at this now. I asked you to look in 2 Timothy, didn't I? And I believe in chapter number 2, verse number 16. Now that can't be it. Yes, it is. Verse 16 says, But shun profane and vain babblings. And that includes, can I say, would it be all right if I were to tell you that you could shun profane and vain texting? And Facebooking? And two Facebooking? Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. If the people that are rubbing elbows with you are pushing you in the wrong direction, he said, shun them. Verse 17, he said, because their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. And Paul didn't mind mentioning names. He said, you stay away from them guys. They're going to be bad influence on you. Verse 18, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Now, it's one thing if people leave East River, but if you're going to leave East River, leave East River alone. If you don't like us, you don't believe like us, you don't want to walk with us, you want to go your own way, you have the liberty and the right to do that, but leave us alone. When men come and tell me sometimes, Brother Roger, I think God's leading me somewhere else, I don't hit them with a hammer. I think that they have the free will to do as they please, but I said, okay, listen, we'll still be friends as long as you leave East River alone. I said, you and I will be friends till Jesus comes. Though we may not go to the same church, I said, but if you start messing with the church family, we're not friends anymore. Right. And I say that to all of you. Right. You want to leave? I can't keep you from leaving, but just leave us alone. Amen. Let us press on. Let us serve the Lord together. But I'd rather you just get right and stay. You say, well, Brother Roger, no, I understand that there are things to overcome. I'm not... I'm not Listen, God leads people in different directions. And listen, I'm not a pope. I'm not a lord over God's people. I'm saying that though that when you do leave, leave. And leave us alone. By the way, don't leave. <laughs> Look in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look what he says here about these guys. He says they overthrow the faith of some, and you're going to run into some people along your pathway who, this is the principle here, who will harm other people's faith and knock them off their path. They can't leave the church alone. They can't leave people in the church alone. Their words will eat as cankers, and they've always got to find some kind of little little thing that they, they disagree with us about, but it's not that they really disagree with the whole church. They just don't like some things. And so they'll pick it apart and they'll, well, they'll say, what about this and what about that? How come this and how come that? And so they question everything, but they have no solutions. No solutions. And they don't want to be part of the solution. So they work on people. By the way, Paul said for the young ladies in the church to be careful about hanging around women who are not interested in their marriage or their children. They like to run the roads and they like to run their mouth. He said, you avoid them. Because if you're taking care of your husband and you're taking care of young ones, you ought to be pretty busy. You ought to be pretty busy. 
Are we having fun? Oh, I just want to make sure. Thank you, Brother John. I appreciate you. You encourage me. You do. I appreciate you, brother. You've been, you and I have been walking together now for 27, going on 28 years. I love him. And love covers a multitude of faults. And I mean that both ways. He loves me in spite of my faults. You say, well, I don't have any. Well, you just confessed one. You just confessed one. Look in chapter 3, verse number 8. You're going to run into some people along your pathway in your involvement in church activities who are corrupt, reprobate, and who resist the truth. Verse 8 says, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, and they were jealous and envious of his authority. People believe in your authority until you say no. And Moses said, So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. You're going to run into some folks like that. See, this is, this is a, a journey toward eternity, and it's going to be some folks along the way that are real and unreal. And you're going to have to stay focused on your path and your calling and stay with God along the way. Look in chapter 4 and verse number 10. There are going to be some who were on the path that got disillusioned, their eyes off the Lord, they've backslidden, and they've gotten their eyes off of the eternal things, and now they're focused on the temporary things, and they have, they've gotten caught up by the world. Look in verse number 10. Listen, Demas, Demas hath forsaken me. He's forsaking me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. And I don't think he was interested in joining up with the church at Thessalonica when he got there. You're going to run into some folks who walk with you for a while, who are committed with you in a while, who serve with you in missions conferences and all the work and all the labor and all the fixing of the meals and teaching Sunday school and working in master club. And before you know it, they start to fade. That's going to hurt you. That's going to discourage you. But it is going to happen. And he says, Demas did that to me, but Paul didn't quit. He didn't quit. And he's telling Timothy, consider what I'm telling you, son, that there are going to be some people who fall by the wayside, who, who get in love with the world, and they're going, to be, they're not going to be there down the road. There are men who joined us in prayer in prayer in my office for years, Brother Scott, you and Brother Lewis were some of those men. They're not even in church today. They poured their hearts out to God for this church for years. Hurts me. I think about those people from time to time. Hurts me. But I got to keep pressing on. And when I see them, I love on them. Because you know what? You can be a bridge back for some people. You'll see it in verse 11. He says, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. What a blessing that statement is. Here's somebody, Brother Chris, who got off the path and then got back on the path. He's the guy... That Paul said, hey, he's going with us on a missionary journey. He bails out on them. And then when Paul and Barnabas get ready to go back on another journey, Barnabas says, I'm going to take John with us. And Paul said, no, 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 you're not. Not until he proves himself. We're not, nothing. And they had a fallen out over it. But later on, Paul writes and says, yep, he fell off the wagon. But he got back on the wagon. And now he is profitable to me for the ministry. So what I'm saying is don't give up on some of the folks who have fallen out of East River Baptist Church or some other. Don't fall out on them. Don't forget about them. And be a bridge for them to come back. Don't be a wall. 
be a bridge. Now listen, you're not going to be able to help somebody who's gotten off the way if you get out of the way. It's like a tow truck. Man, the tow truck has to stay up on some solid ground, throw something out there, go out there and hook it up, and pull them out of the muck and the mire. But you don't drive that, that, that truck off in that stuff, or you're going to be down there with them. I'm saying you're going to run into some folks like that who, who begin to, whatever they're going through, however they got hurt, however they got wounded, whatever reason John's was, the Lord worked in his heart and his life, got him back on track, and he even used him to write one of the New Testament books. Don't give up on people right now who are out of the will of God. Don't do that. Now, don't let them influence you, though. You influence them. He says, Timothy, consider what I'm telling you, son. There's going to be some people that disappoint you, but God has ways of getting them back on track along the path. What a blessing. In chapter 4, I end with this thought here. There'll be some who will inspire you to press on along the way. Chapter 4, verse number 11. There were, excuse me, at verse number 6. He says, For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departures at hand. And I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love is appearing. Some are going to inspire you to press on because you've watched them for years stay faithful to hardships. One of these guys right here would be Brother James Griggers. The man that was here for our missions conference, if you're a visitor, that man, if he's watching, I want him to know that I love him, that he inspires me, that he encourages me, that while he's going through some major changes in his life, he flew across the ocean and landed here in Houston and came here to inspire us, to encourage us, to challenge us to press on toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I appreciate my brother. I do. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a missionary. It could be somebody like Wallace Brock. I love that man. He encourages me. He inspires me. I appreciate men who stay by the stuff regardless of the difficulties that life throw at them. This man still loves the Lord. He still has some joy. And he's a good bodyguard. You mess with me, he's going to hurt you. As old as he is, he still can hurt somebody. I've got a young one over here named Brother Cade. And i got an old one over here. Brother Cade, I appreciate you young man, your wife. You encourage me. I appreciate your spirit and your heart. Brother Jake, our church, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, man, we sure thank God for bringing Jacob Tucker and his family to our church. What a great spirit they have. Thank you, brother. You encourage us. And you, in a low spot, didn't quit. Thank you. You encourage us. And you have experienced some of these different folks that I just read about, but you stayed on the path. Thank God for you. I appreciate you. I want to encourage you to understand, young folks, when I'm dead and in heaven, I don't know all that goes on on the other side. We think we do, but everything you read in a hymn book and somebody else's book, Ain't so. I don't own all, but I know this. I, I hope God will let me be able to say, well, Lord, how is, how is Ethan doing? Is he still on? Is he still in church? Lord, how is Lauren and Bianca doing? Lord, is Nathan serving God yet? I hope you'll let me ask. He may. I don't know. 
But I would like for you, young folks, to consider the greatness of what Christ has done for you in your salvation. And before you check Facebook, and before you check TikTok, and before you check YouTube, would you get on your knees and open up your Bible and lift up your hands toward heaven and thank God for saving you? Start talking about mentioning and calling out some of those benefits. And then you tell the Lord, Lord, you have a purpose for me, and I don't know exactly what it is, but be like Gideon. Just do what you're supposed to do till the Lord comes by with something specific. Be out there doing that wheat, and then the Lord shows up and says, Son, O thou mighty man of valor, I've called you to do something. And and, and Gideon is looking around and said, You can't be talking about me. All I do is just fix water pipes for a living. All I do is operate a crane for a living. All I do is build decks for a living. God, are you talking to me? I'll tell you what, you be the best deck builder. You be the best mechanic. You be the best doctor. You be the best whatever God is until he comes along with a specific calling. Be the best mother and grandmother that you instill your faith in that you might raise up another Timothy. Amen. But stay on track. Don't fall in love with this wicked, temporary world. God saved me and he called me to walk with him and he called you to walk with him. Quit letting other people determine your path that are off the path. Walk with people who are on the path. Get in church. I'm talking about not attend, get in church. Get involved. Let's stand together, please. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Would you consider these things? Consider what I say. Paul said to Timothy, would you, would you consider these things? Would you please, would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Ask yourself this question, do I really appreciate my salvation? Number two, am I in the path? Am I wavering? Am I on the edge? Am I in the middle? Am I off of it? Father in heaven, I pray you'd speak to hearts. May the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. May these people consider what I have said. In Jesus' name. Our heads bowed. Would you obey the Spirit of God?